We have been in a series the last few weeks looking at how to have the best year of our life. And uh, if you'll remember, if you've been a part of that, it's not trying to define our life by how much money we can make, what position we'll have at the end of the year in our business or anything like that. It is defined by relationships. And uh, we've been talking about how to have peace with ourselves. And then last week we talked about peace in our family. And uh, I hope that maybe that's begin to play out in your, a little bit in your life. And I, we were talking, I was talking with some people earlier. It's easy now, you know, like something comes up in our family and somebody say, you know, you need to honor me more. You need to respect me more. You need to love me more. Like we have these triggers now that we can point to. Well, today we're going to look at friendships or these other key relationships in our life. And I don't know about you, but... Uh, you know, there are relationships in my life outside of family that I couldn't do without. I mean, there are these people that have just poured into my life, made my life very, very meaningful because of the investment they've made in my life. But then there are also these friends that sometimes bring chaos into my life, sometimes bring some real challenges into my life and really create some difficulties. And so we're going to look today at how do we build these friendships and build friendships in such a way, kind of these building blocks of healthy friendships in such a way that these kind of relationships build into us and help us and don't create chaos. Now, I'm going to be very honest. When I started preparing this, it's easy to start saying, man, if this person would start doing this, 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 and this, then it would make my life a lot better. Like if they would just change, then, you know, everything would be great. Where the truth is, where really God convicted me is, is, you know, it's not just that they need to change, but I need to make sure that I'm actually building the right character in my life uh, as well. And so I, I think I've told some of you before, I am a I'm not a handyman by trade. Like, that is not something I'm really good at. Katie's applauding over here. Thank you. You know, I, I can, I've gotten better over the years, I will tell you this. But I remember, like, when I was in, a, like, middle school, me and some friends of ours wanted to build a treehouse. And we built this treehouse, man. We spent all day building this treehouse, and we put these pieces of wood and everything like that. And we decided, man, we got on it. It was kind of nice. We were going to sleep in it through the night. Well, about halfway through the night, we get woken up as the treehouse is collapsing, and we're falling out of the tree. And we realized, like, I think we put the whole thing together with, like, three nails. That was, like, the extent of our carpentry at that point. We just didn't know how to build things. I remember in shop one time, uh, we had this project to do, and I, I built this thing, and I took it home to my dad, and my dad got that look in his eyes, like, I'm supposed to like this, but he couldn't quite figure out what it was, and it was supposed to be a toolbox, and I, I don't think to this day he realized what it was, but that's just not my giftedness, and a lot of times in our own lives, we say, I'm just not this way. I'm not a kind person. I'm not a caring person. I'm not a friendly person. You know, I'm not a person that does this. And we just say, that's just me. And we don't work on building that character. And I love what Jesus does because Jesus doesn't let us give it, get away with that simple excuse. I say, that's just not me. And a matter of fact, he says there are some key things you need to build in your life as you connect with others. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter 1, and we're going to start in verse 5. And this is just a passage that Peter writes. It's basically saying, you know what? How do you become a better person? How do you become a better friend? 
How do you become better in relationships when you connect with people? It's not, this is not, you know, do these things to get to heaven. He's saying, but as you are now a follower of Christ, make sure these things are coming about in your life so that you are being an influence for Christ. So look at this, 2 Peter 5. And we're just going to read a few verses out of this. 2 Peter 1, verse 5. He says, make every effort to supplement your faith. I want you to understand that word supplement right there. Does supplement mean that it's a necessity? Supplement is extra, right? So at the very beginning, he's saying, you don't have to do these things for salvation. And I want to be very clear that you hear this. This is not Peter adding a list of to-dos to how we have a relationship with Jesus. But he's saying, now that we do have these things, supplement it with these so that you can be the most effective. So make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and your virtue with knowledge and your knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and are unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I want us to do right quick this morning, I'm going to lay out a couple of these principles, and then we're going to talk about them. We've got some discussion sheets there, and I'm, I'm not going to teach a, a long time. Most of our time this morning is going to be talking together. But look at verse 5 right there. It says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and knowledge. When you take virtue and knowledge and you put those together, there's one word that comes to my mind, and that's the word wisdom. And here's what we've got to do. We've got to become people, become a person of wisdom, not foolishness. Become a person of wisdom, not foolishness. You know, when you place virtue and knowledge together and you get wisdom, it's not just knowing what to do, but also being compelled to act in that manner. It's not just having the knowledge, but it's being willing to act it out as well, to put it into practice. Wisdom is the desire to know God and pursue His ways with your heart, mind, body, and soul. So be a person of wisdom. How do we do this? In my life, I've seen this play out. One, I've got to identify and admit when I don't act with wisdom. I've got to admit when I fall short and be like, that was dumb. I was not acting wise in that moment. Identifying those help me, helps me move forward. Don't just, then though, don't just admit bad behavior or a lack of wisdom. Correct it. Change it. You ever had those times in your life or maybe people in your life that they're very good at acknowledging when they mess up? But that doesn't mean that they really ever change their behavior. They just keep messing up. Oh, yeah, I did it again. I did it again. I did it again. You know, uh, you know that's not wisdom. Wisdom isn't just knowing it, it's changing it as well. And then surround yourself with wise people. Surround yourself with wise people that can also identify foolishness in in you, which is the opposite of wisdom. And so to grow in our friendships, to grow in our relationships, lay these building blocks first of wisdom, which comes with knowledge and virtue. Add knowledge and virtue and become a person of wisdom. But then in verse 6 it says this, and the knowledge was at self-control, and self-control with steadfastness. And I think when these two come together, when self-control and steadfastness come together, it talks about living a life of integrity. So not that you're just wise, but you're also in a person of integrity. And integrity is this. It's not just knowing the right thing to do, but it's having the strength to follow through, even in a tough situation. That's what integrity is. It's not, I, I oftentimes know what is right, 
and still choose to do what's wrong. Integrity is not just the knowledge. It's the self-control and the steadfastness to put that knowledge into action and let it play out in my life. And, and here's the challenge, is that we don't need to settle for anything less than a full commitment to the truth. We need to be committed to the truth, to living the truth, understanding the truth, speaking the truth. Learn to identify areas of dishonesty in your life, both big and small. This is a scary thing to do sometimes, to actually sit down in your life and be, you know, just today, how many times was I just a little dishonest? How many times did I just didn't say, I, you know, I bent the truth just a little bit? And when we start taking that inventory, we start realizing really how little integrity we have in our life sometimes. So make a commitment, learn to identify that, and then learn to value learn, learn the value of a commitment to truth. When you commit yourself to truth and speaking truth and being truthful in your dealings, there's a lot of things you don't have to worry about anymore. I don't have to worry about what I said to this person and try to remember what I said to this person and see if they match up. Because I spoke the truth. And I can always go back to the truth. And so these two key building blocks are great starting points of wisdom and integrity. If I'm going to have peace in my relationships with other people, I need to have wisdom and integrity. So I want us to start our discussion time this morning talking about these two. You should have a sheet around your table or your bench there. It says discussion guide Q&A time one. These are some questions that go along with what we just talked about. And uh, take some time. We'll take a few minutes. If you're not by some other people, make sure you get in a group with some people to chat with. And uh, let's take six or seven minutes and talk about these together. I know as I was thinking about those questions, um, they really challenge some thought. Like, you know, why is it that we really struggle in some of those areas? And it just creates some, some thought process that we need to work through. And Again, what we just have done is a great example of what happens in our small groups where you can connect and ask questions and delve in personally with Scripture. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about our small groups when we finish, but that's what we're trying to, to help you understand what we're doing here. So uh, look at verse 6, uh, the last part of verse 6 with me right quick. It says, not only to knowledge should we add self-control and then to self-control steadfastness, but then it says... And steadfastness add godliness. Now, let's talk about what godliness is right quick. Godliness is not acting like God. I think a lot of people think, like, it means I'm, I'm God, right? I get to act like... That's not what godliness is. Godliness is instead allowing the core characteristics of God to flow through your life. Is that as you are experiencing God yourself, you're allowing God to be expressed out of you to other people. And I love this picture here because what it helps us understand from the very beginning is God's mercy and grace and compassion is never intended to be terminated on us. We can experience it, but then it's our job to express it out to other people. And so what that reminds us here is that we need to be people of compassion. Just like we need wisdom and integrity, we also then need to be people of compassion. And compassion is defined as an unselfish desire to help alleviate the suffering of others. 
That's what compassion means, is that I see someone in need, I see someone suffering, and I come alongside and I do what I can to help alleviate that suffering. I've had friends like that. I hope I've been a friend like that. That is one of the most incredible characteristics of a friend or somebody when I'm hurting, I know that then when they come into my life, it eases that burden. That's what compassion is. Remind yourself, and and here's a key thing that keeps us from being compassionate, is that we're not willing to forgive. When we're not willing to forgive, it squinches, squinches, that's not a word, (laughs) it squishes uh, compassion out of our life. It chokes it out of our life. As we aren't forgiving, compassion stops flowing. And so we need to ask ourselves, where is it that I'm not willing to forgive? Is there somebody or something in my life that I've chosen not to forgive and it's keeping me from being compassionate? So find tangible ways to express compassion, both big and small. Compassion doesn't mean that you've got to you know, wait till you win the $1.5 million lottery and then pay off everybody's debt, all right? That would be compassionate. I would appreciate it if, you, if somebody in here wanted that. That'd be great. But compassion can be a phone call. Compassion can be an email or a text. It can just be a word of encouragement when you see somebody that lets them know that you are thinking about them and you're understanding what they're walking through. Be a person of compassion. The next thing in verse 7, he says this, Then to godliness add these two things, brotherly affection and love. Brotherly affection and love. Now, what's the difference between those two? To me, brotherly affection is this idea that I look on somebody else, my brother, my sister, in the faith, that the person I'm having a relationship with, and I truly have affection for them. I enjoy being around them. It is a, this camaraderie that we have together. It's a joy to spend time with them. I, I want what's good for them. And where this shows up is in gratitude, right? We need to be people of gratitude. That Here's one of the toughest things to do, and I think this happens in family and friendships, is to celebrate blessings in other people's lives as much as you celebrate them in your own life. You know, I, I love when blessings happen in my life, and I love to share them with other people and have other people celebrate them with me. But I'll be honest, sometimes if a blessing happened in somebody else's life and maybe not in mine, it's difficult then for me maybe to celebrate the way that I should. But that's what brotherly affection is. If something good happens to you, it happens to me. Because I care about you. That The fact that you are experiencing joy and happiness and blessing in your life is a blessing to me because I am grateful for you. And is living lives of gratitude. Where love is this. Love is a willingness to sacrifice on somebody else's behalf. So you see the difference here? Brotherly affection is to celebrate when people celebrate. That you're excited. But love is... I'm willing to help you and nurture you and do things for you, even when it costs me. Brotherly affection and love. Gratitude and humility. Those are the two other key building blocks that we need in our life. So we have wisdom, integrity, gratitude and humility, and a life of compassion.
So let's take a few minutes. On the other side of your sheet is Q&A number two, and it's going to ask you some questions about gratitude and compassion. Pick some of those questions and talk to them together for the next five or six minutes. We focus our attention back up here. I just... I hope you've enjoyed being able to communicate around God's truth with one another and ask questions and hear answers and hear other thoughts. One of the, uh, one of the key things I love about our church is uh, I am certainly not the only teacher in our church. Uh, we, we learn from one another. Each of us have experiences different things in our life and have different perspectives and different depths of understanding of different truths. And um, I love the fact that we can sit around tables like this and learn from one another.